Before you can operate in faith, there must be light. God who commanded the light, the first thing he said was let there be light. Okay? That's the first thing. Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Father of light. That means the Father who gives it in the form of what? Light. Uh, now, we're not patient enough to do this, but that's the starting point. Uh, and, and so you receive the former rain on the inside of you. It is a function of mercy and grace. Uh, the Bible says, come up to the throne of grace uh, that you may obtain mercy first. And then find grace, put it up Hebrews 4, the last verse, find grace to help in a time of need. So in the context of this, let's just look at it, mercy and grace. Uh, now what's grace? Grace is that help. Uh, and when there's help, there is demonstrating. Help in a time of need. Uh, the grace is the might of God at work in you to produce that which is humanly impossible. Grace is the might of God. Grace is demonstrative. Uh, that's why Paul said, when they saw, you can see grace. When they saw, all right, when they saw, uh, for example now, if you come for this service now, and then you traveled and came back in two months' time, and you entered into the service, and there were tents all around, and we had multiplied almost 10 times, and people were sitting all around in tents, and you came in, what are you going to say? This is the grace of God at work. This cannot be done by any man. Which means, this is the, as Paul said, when they saw the effectual working of his power, which was in Peter towards the gent, uh, to the Jews, the same, the same was mighty, which means the might of God. Mighty me, two words. Two words, all right, the Gentiles. That's the might of God on the inside of him. And it, it's visible. You see it. It's tangible. It's not anything. So let me just quickly say this. Uh, we just talk about grace like it's something. And people say, well, will you, uh, please, we need to see you at 4 p.m. And you say to the person, by the grace of God, I'll be there. Now, what most people are saying is, is I may not be there, to, so, you know, but by the grace of God, we'll try and be there. But if you understand what grace means, it means by the might of God, I will be there. In other words, certainly I will be there. By the workings of God's might, not by my power or by my might, but by the strength of God, I am telling you, I will be there. So how does grace work in practice? So you are going for the meeting. And there's an unusual hold up. And you go to your map, but the map tells you one hour. And you, this is 3.33, and it says one hour, 15 minutes. So you're going to be late. But you have said by the grace of God. So you say there, I will be there by the grace of God at four, even though you can see the whole up. Now, so what happens? Grace comes to work, the spirit of grace. It shows you there's a space there you can park your car. Just drive for two minutes and turn there, park. Apologize to them. They will, this guy will show you favor. Grace will make it. He says, don't worry, boss, park. Then he says, that's an Okada goal. Call him. <laughs> Okada. He comes. Please take me for this meeting. And you arrive there at five minutes to four by the grace of God. Are you following what I'm saying here? 
Not that you call them at 417, sir. You don't understand. Uh, the, you know the old office man. I said, but you said you'd be here. But I told you it's by the grace of God. Now, you know? <laughs> All right. So you go up to obtain mercy, and then you find grace to help. In other words, mercy guarantees that you'll find grace. So what does mercy do? Mercy is the former rain. Grace is the latter rain. Do you get what I'm saying here? Mercy is the former rain. So you go up and receive mercy. That's the former rain. Grace is that latter rain. When it begins to fall, you have what is called clarity of vision. So you can today go to God and not wait for something to be in your body. Go to God and ask him and tell him, I want to know here if Jesus tarries, show me what is possible in terms of how many years you can sustain my body on this earth. And so he shows you that you will not leave this earth until you are 100 years old. And I said, but God, 100, he says, your strength will not be abated. There's a man that works in the United States Senate, an African-American. And he said, when he's 89, if you see the work he's doing, he said, when are you going to retire? He said, I talk to the good Lord every day. He has said nothing about retirement. Sharp. They've all built something in the capital and named, I think, like a library after him because he has been working there for 44 years. He said, there are things we have seen, there are things we have heard in these chambers will never come out of our lips. The secrets of America is in his hands. So when it begins to fall, you have that kind of clarity of vision on the inside. Uh, and that's what mercy does. All right, because of time, I've gone to other things quickly. It tells us in the book of Matthew, you know, there were two blind men, and this is mercy. They cried out, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon us. It says, what will I do? The function of mercy. Open our eyes that we may see. Mercy opens your eyes. Elisha in 2 Kings chapter, chapter 6 and verse 17, all right, prayed. When his servant was worried and what's going on and they, there were armies all around them, he says, my master, alas, alas, we, we've come to the end. And the master was relaxed. Why are you so relaxed? He prayed, opened his eyes, that he may do what? See. In other words, no matter the situation where you are in, if your eyes are open and you see, you know there are two things going on. There's something in the natural, but there's some other thing in the spiritual. The natural is against you. The spiritual is promoting you. All right? They said, well, there's COVID-19. We are laying off a quarter of our staff. Your name is there. I can guarantee you, as you are walking out of that place, God has already opened another door somewhere else. Bigger than that. But our problem is, instead of saying, open my eyes that I may see, we are trying to get that door opened again, the same door. So you open your eyes and he saw, and what he wants to do is to open your eyes so that in the word of God you have the evidence there of things that are not seen. Faith. You know, you say we walk by faith and not by sight, but it's conditional. Because a faith walk is walking by sight, but it's the sight of a better kind. You are seeing something. How do we know that? 
It says, our light affliction walketh for us an eternal weight of glory. While we look not to the things that are seen, but we are looking at something, is a function of your eyes, are things that are not what? Seen. In other words, we are looking at something. The reason why we are saying this confidently is because we can see something. The reason why we are acting this way is because we have evidence. We can see something. And so the work of the Holy Spirit is to open your eyes. And the prayer for that, and I'm praying this every day over this church, is Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, and you can pray it also. Over your life, it says, the Father of glory, the God of, of Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's the former ray. That the eyes of your understanding being opened up, you may know what is the hope of his calling. So you know what that hope is. You know what's coming out of it. You understand. It's right there before you. These are things that angels desire to look at. Kings desire to see. Precious, deep things that God says are revealed. Now, somebody asked to me, well, all right, we're going to see this thing in Scripture. So the person asked a very good question. I said, so pastor, how do I read the Bible to find these Scriptures? How, how do I know? Which means do I, do I look at it, you know, subject matter, or do I just take the Bible and just open it? Uh, let me tell you the key to it. Prayer. E.M. Bounds, the apostle of prayer, said to have prayed well is to have studied well. In other words, if you pray well, when you read the Bible, you will see well. So even if it says if you go to John, if you go to Luke, you will start seeing things. And the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance other things. It's why I don't want to go into it. You know, he said there, I have given you the former rain moderately, but now I will give you the former. In other words, in even that former rain, he will remind you of things he had already said. The Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, connect scriptures. He will open your eyes. You know, when, many years ago, this one had been about 12 years old, not more than that, 15 years ago, when I started Foundation of Faith, a gentleman who was in charge, all right, Mr. Enyo Abadre, you know, that's uh, Mr. Abadjo's brother. And he, he, he told me a story. You know, I will sit down and just, I used to call people, for example, like this kind of testimony, I will call the person and we'll talk about it, share the principles. So he had talked about how he had, his brain was damaged at a point and he came out to the first class. And so what happened? So he said he was in school, he was stubborn, they sent him to a military school, the military officer, they started hitting him, hit him hard, they had uh, they, but his brain was damaged somewhat. And the doctors told his father, uh, he may not all right, be able to attain to academic things and all of that because of this. He said, but his father used to be one of the first Nigerians, at least in terms of not even preacher, that used to go for camp meetings. So he used to bring tapes back from camp meetings in Tulsa and bring, you know, Helen Baylor used to sing about, you know, bring all that stuff. So he used to listen to it and, and you know, all of that. And he said he would listen to faith. So when he got into University of Ife for, for electrical electronics, okay, he said he went to God in prayer to, to find out to solve the problem because he would be sweating to read. He said it was difficult. He wasn't doing well. He said God gave him, showed him three scriptures. Now, he told me, he said he began to confess those scriptures and began to stand on those scriptures. He came out with a first class. And a first class electrical is not a joke. But you know what he told me? He said, he said, I would have told, said the scriptures now God gave me. But when I looked back at them, after some years, it made no meaning to me. 
I did not see how those scriptures correlated with brain damage. But he said those scriptures got me out. They ministered to me then. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is manna for that eye. It is God opening up your eyes to see it. He said, and I saw it in it. And what happens is every time you look at it, it says something to you. So the second step quickly is that having had it revealed, now you must start beholding it. All right? Beholding 2 Corinthians 3, 18 is in present continuous state. It's something you practice every day. Now, we're talking about the everyday practice, all right? And this discipleship, what, one of the things affecting the church, and this one of the changing emphasis that will happen, at least to some degree, is that what we do in church, and basically in ministry, is that there's an absence of discipleship in the body of Christ now, which used to be back in SU days and at that time, which means real discipleship. So what we are doing is we are trying to solve problems that are created from a wrong lifestyle. Are you following what I'm saying? So we have meeting, debt cancellation meeting. Not this person that you are trying to cancel the debt got into debt by terrible decisions, by, by, by could have gotten into it by making mistakes and all of that. So there's no debt cancellation. We should have debt payment. Let me repeat what I'm saying. There should be no debt cancellation. You should pay your debt. It should be debt payment. Because why are you asking God to cancel debt? The, when you went to meet the person for the, to borrow you money, the person said this for my children's school fees. You are now asking God to cancel it. So how will the person pay their school fees of their children? My friend, is debt payment. I mean, we just say all kinds of things. And people will come and say, by this time next week, all your debt will be... I mean, people say, by this time next week, you will pay back your debt. All right? God himself paid debt. He didn't cancel it. He put Jesus to pay the debt. So this anointing for debt, I don't, I don't, why cancel so much debt? So what happens? If everybody's debt is now canceled, so what happens to the people who, who support it? Can you imagine going to meet somebody and saying, to, don't go and meet somebody now, and say, please, and you are correct. Listen, I just need five, and you are right. I need 500,000 because this is an emergency. My mother, you know, is going through certain things and I need to give her, all right, 500,000 and say, I will pay you back. And then just turn, as the person says, okay, just turn back and say, and after I collect it, I will go for an anointing service for debt cancellation. <laughs> what will he do? Bring my money back. <laughs> so he says, behold it. Now, we're saying the practice, the practice here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says, we all with an open face. All right, open face is that revelation, which means the eyes of our understanding has been opened up to something. All right? Beholding. Beholding is in present continuous sense. In other words, let your mind be constantly occupied with that revelation. These are the, now we're getting to the condition for it to work. Regularly, and the only way you can do that, and your mind is preoccupied with that, is regularly fix your gaze, which means you've organized your life such that maybe you wake up in the morning and fix your gaze upon those scriptures, and you read them, you look at them, you speak them out yourself, you spend time meditating, if it's 30 minutes, and you allow those scriptures to minister to you, all right? Fellowship with the revelation, declare it out loud. You incline your ear onto the saints there. You declare it. 
Proverbs 4 tells us, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sins. Let them not depart out of your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life unto those that find them and health to your flesh. The word health there means medicine. Now it tells you, don't let them depart. So if, if a doctor comes and prescribes to a person, uh, and someone says, well, I need, and if doctor says, well, you've got to take this tablet here. You take two twice every day. All right, two times daily, and you do it for five days, and then after that, consistently, you come back, and let's see. Now, you came back after two weeks, and your condition was worse. And he says, so what happened? You said, you know, when I got back, I was so excited about what you said. I took it, and then, just before I came for this meeting, uh, for this thing, I took another two. He says, you mean? You didn't take it consistently. Say no. So, after God revealed it to you, what happened? I read my Bible that day. Very excited. Three weeks after, then I opened my Bible again. It says it can't be medicine. It can't change. So, consist, you have to constant, all right, keep in your eye. And you know what it does to you? It encourages you. It, it ministers life to you. It strengthens you. Okay? It strengthens you. Ministers life to you. And don't take your eyes off the evidence and, and, and let your emotions and your words be now filled with circumstantial evidence. And this is what's happening. Now, people get the revelation, but they've now allowed uh, other things going on. I, I need to, and God cautioned me quietly inside my heart because I was, you know, I'm, I love politics, governance. And so I was into this presidential election of America, watching everything. He told me, you are spending too much time. It's consuming. You are not spending, it's taking away time that you will have spent looking at the evidence of things I want to do in your life. And some people spend more time on Twitter than on the Bible. Now, now in the sense that everything that you know now is Twitter. All the information governing your decisions from Twitter. And you are arguing, you are getting emotional about things. Alright? And the evidence of things not seen. Alright? It says while we look not, it will work. While we look not, it worketh. While we look not to the things that are seen. In other words, if you start looking to the things that are seen, it stops working. It says it worketh for us an eternal weight of glory while. While has to do time. Which means as you are looking, while. As you are looking at the things that are not seen and leave the things that are seen, it says it will work an eternal weight of glory. The Spirit of God will work out that thing. But if you start looking and looking and all that, it says then that work will stop. You get, these things get into you, all right, and it enters your emotions and all that, and you start talking about it. That's what I was saying. You bring the water from the outside into your boat. Now, quickly, let me just share the story here. And one more thing, and then we close. Matthew chapter 14, and this is what happens. All right, so we don't create the condition. The condition is that your mind must be preoccupied with the evidence that he has given. During that period, you must be looking at things that are not seen. Matthew 14 and verse 24. It says, but the sheep was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, you just go to my hand and you say that, you look at, and you see a sheep being tossed with waves. Then you know that this is serious. A sheep is tossed. So you are looking at a sheep. I mean, none of us have ever seen that kind of thing. That it feels good like the sheep is going this way. You will know that there is a problem there. It's tossed, which means the wind must be strong for the wind. And on the fourth word, Jesus went to them. So the thing was going this way, but Jesus was walking. Jesus wasn't walking on flat, flat stuff. He was walking where the waves were going like this. 
He walks with her. And the disciples saw him walking, and they were troubled, saying it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. Jesus said, all right, do not be afraid. Be of good cheer, it is I, don't be afraid. And Peter answering said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come on water. Okay? And he said, come. That's, that's the revelation. And when Peter was come down from the ship, he began to walk on water, so go to Jesus. So he started walking on water to go to Jesus. Now, how was the whole thing? Waves were going like this. But he was walking on water. Now, what was the mistake? But when he saw that the wind was what? Boisterous. In other words, when he took his eyes off Jesus, he was looking at and put it on the wind and looked very well and saw the wind was what? Boisterous. In other words, your business was going well until, until somebody came to meet you to tell you the problem in Nigeria and told you, examine it, look at it very well, until you said, my goodness, Nigeria, it's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over. And you started making decisions based on what they were saying. Kenneth Hagin said something in ABCs of Faith. He said, when I had my heart condition, all right, and I went to the doctors, and the doctor said, in 16 months, you'll be dead, and they told him that. He said, my body began to respond to what they were saying with all accuracy. The everything they were saying at that time, my body was responding. In other words, you take your eyes, and then you place it on the boisterous wind. The Bible says he became afraid, so you now start getting afraid. So I'm close here. So you look there. And then the last step of this, beholding. All right. So you're looking at the word of God. But the last one there is Jonah chapter 2 verse 7 here. Part of beholding. And this is very powerful. You've got to get to two things. You constantly feed your heart with the word of God that tells you the truth about this. When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord. My prayer came in unto thee. They that, all right, to thy holy temple. They that do what? Observe lying vanities, forsake their mercy. What did the mercy do? Bring revelation. You are now observing lying vanities. So he said what? Instead of beholding lying vanities, I will behold that eternal thing. How, are we, how was he going to behold it? Next verse. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay. So he brought the sacrifice. So the next way of beholding is rejoicing in the fulfillment of it. In other words, you shut your eyes into the deep place of worship, enjoying the feeling of being in possession of that thing. Worshipping and thanking God and singing songs to him of thanksgiving that he has fulfilled that particular thing in your life. Nothing is more powerful than that. Nothing is more powerful. Everything that works in the covenant works from a heart of gladness. The anointing is called the oil of joy. It's the oil of gladness. That's where you can't, and that's why when they fill your heart with Twitter stuff, you'll be sad. You will be sad. All right? You will, when, when you, you read everything they want to say, you will read it, finish, and you will be sad. You will finish, you will be sad. So, and, and, and it's almost like the more negative you are now, the more woke you are. The more rebellious you are, the more woke you are. All right? Which means the woke people are people that can, you know, you know say anything. Be insulting. Right? Say crazy stuff. You can abuse government. Abuse. You're woke. You're, you're woke. You, you identify with sin. You're woke. You talk about the conservative principles of Christianity. Oh boy, you don't know. All right? So it says, so what's the conclusion of that? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 to 12 here. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence 
to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. All right? Surely in blessing shall I bless thee, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, they which have fled forever, you notice the next verse, all right, shall, all right, when well, abundantly showed to them the multiplication of his counsel, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, they which have fled for refuge might do what? Lay hold. So how do you lay hold on that hope? He says you might do what? Lay hold. So how do you lay hold on it? He tells us. Next verse. Which hope we have as an anchor to the soul, which means what you are reading is an anchor to your soul, both sure and steadfast and entereth within the veil, without the forerunner. So when you go within the veil in worship, when you go within the veil in adoration, in thanksgiving, that's what Jonah was doing. You lay hold on that hope. You touch it. You see yourself in possession, rejoicing over it. You lay hold upon it and hold it there, rejoicing. That's the place where you touch that thing first in thanksgiving, in praise, and in worship. On to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. I ask by the power of the Spirit that indeed you fulfill what you have said prophetically concerning us. This year, year of the former and the latter day year of divine exploits, a year of the overflow by every single person, a year of restoration of all the things, the years that the canker worm has stolen, a year where we shall be satisfied, praise your name, and see wondrous works within our lives, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.